Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. I'm glad to be home. Good to see y'all. How's everybody doing? Y'all doing good? Let me get my timer out. This is just to give y'all hope. I don't really pay attention to it. Hey, why don't let's all stand up, turn around, shake hands with a neighbor, tell them it's good to see them in church. We were a little bit low energy at 9 o'clock. How many of y'all going to bring some energy today? Amen. All right, let's do it. We'll start by greeting one another. Amen. Good to see everybody today in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be home from our family vacation. We typically take vacation in, uh, in August. We had a great vacation. We even had first time ever for this vacation, we had a direct hit by Hurricane Grace. I mean, we were locked down in our, uh, our hotel room for about 24 hours, and it was a scary night here in the wind blow, but it was really nice to know we were in a safe Fort Knox-type building. And in a weird way, I told Robin, I said, this shouldn't be exciting, but it kind of is because we're not home. And uh, so I'm just thankful that we were safe. We had a good vacation, had a great time. And didn't Pastor Pavey do an amazing job with his series? I heard y'all had a little bit of excitement one Sunday, lost the power, and, uh, and everybody was bragging how uh, Pastor Pavey didn't even miss a beat. He just kept right on going. And uh, you just never know what's going to happen at church, right? I enjoy watching it online, but can I just give a shout out to live church? There ain't nothing like being in the house of the Lord. Now, if you're watching online, God bless you. Glad you're joining us today. But I'm going to tell you, there's something about being in church in the house. Amen. Real quick before we jump in, back to school fun night is this Friday night. If you have any students in the children's ministry or youth ministry, love to have you join us this Friday night. They got a lot of fun stuff planned. And then this weekend is our family worship Sunday. Next Sunday, our youth and our students will all be with us. We do that about four times a year. How many of you know it's good for the kids to get to experience adult church too, right? I grew up in adult church. I remember, uh, if I'm being honest, I was many times I was like, when is this going to be over? Wallowing around on the floor, you know. But you learn. You learn what church is about, and you learn to worship the Lord. So I think it's great that they can join us. All right, we're going to get ready to jump into the Word of the Lord. I want to share with you a cool story in the Bible about how Jesus fed 5,000 people from just a few loaves and fish. It was an amazing story. But right after that miracle, we find another story, and this is going to kind of set up my message for today. We find another story where the disciples had an opportunity to have their faith stretched again when Jesus came walking to them on water during a storm. But instead of believing, I want you to see what happened. They were afraid. Let's look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 50. Not only were they afraid, look what the verse says. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. Now, notice verse 52. They were amazed because they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. They still didn't understand because, understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. You see, they didn't learn whatever lessons it was that Jesus tried to teach them in that first miracle. And because of that, notice, they were not ready when Jesus came walking on the water. Jesus showed up and they were afraid, they were terrified. But at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, not only was there a miracle 
of a need that was met, there was a miracle that can teach us some neat things if we learn from it. And that's what I want to talk about in today's message, some lessons we can learn. And my sermon is entitled, Lessons from the Loaves. Lessons from the Loaves. Why don't you join me and let's all have a word of prayer. Can we do that? And I want you to pray and ask the Lord to speak to you today. I'm going to challenge our faith in this house today. How many of you know you need your faith inspired and challenged? Amen. Why don't we pray? Let's pray out loud. Let's ask the Lord to bless the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful today to be in your house. We know, God, that you can speak to us, challenge us, and encourage us today. Let the word of God be alive. Let us be in a posture to receive it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Jesus walked around for about three and a half years in public ministry. He had 12 guys with him. And in everything that he did, he was teaching them about leadership and about the operation of faith. Everything he taught, every miracle he worked, he knew that these guys were the very ones that were going to lead the world to understand who he was. So he's teaching them about leadership, about faith, and everything he did as he ministered to the people. And in one of the better known miracles in the Bible, the feeding of the 5,000, I want you to look at what happens before the miracle takes place. If you have, have your Bibles, go to John chapter 6 and verse 5. And it says this, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Now, in this story, it's an interesting uh, side note that when you look at the other gospel accounts of this story, we discover that the disciples had already been talking about the problem that they knew they were going to be facing pretty soon in just a little while. Jesus knew about it too. There was this huge crowd of people, 5,000 men there, And by the way, if there were 5,000 men there, that means there were at least that many women and children there. So the crowd was probably 10,000 to maybe even 20,000 people. And they're watching Jesus teach all day long. And the disciples recognize that there's a problem. You know what the problem is? People are starting to get hangry. (laughs) Anybody know what hangry is? Is anybody sitting with somebody who's hangry. You see, you're afraid to raise your hand because they're hangry, right? (laughs) We all know what it's like. And so the disciples are all, you know, off to the side, and they're looking at their watches. They go, man, Jesus has been preaching a long time today. These people are getting hungry. There's a situation brewing here. What are we going to do? Jesus, don't you understand? These people are hungry, and they're starting to worry about it. And in the middle of all this, Jesus turns to Philip, and he says, hey, Philip, where are we going to find enough bread to feed all these people? Now, the disciples don't realize it, but Jesus is really kind of asking a rhetorical question. Because when you read the account, it says Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he was testing Philip. Hey, Philip. How are we going to feed all these people? And then he's probably going, (laughs) I wonder what, well, I can't wait to hear what answer he comes up with. And, you know, Philip is really, you know, he's like, oh, my word, what in the world are we going to do? You know, and they're afraid. They don't know what's coming. They see this huge problem. And really, when you think about it, can you blame them? They don't know what's getting ready to take place. And you and I see stuff that uh, challenges our faith every day, don't we? It might be sickness. It might be financial pressure. It might be issues on the job. It might be issues at home. And you know, in that situation, you're not really seeing a miracle in the making, are you? You're not really seeing the the way Jesus is going to come through. All you're seeing right then is a problem that needs to be solved. Hey, Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? Sometimes, though, the problem looks like there is no solution. And that was the case in this story. And that's a situation that the disciples have found themselves in. So there's a couple of lessons that I would like to share from this story. And I hope it's going to help you in your current situation and give you some faith. There's some lessons that we can learn 
from the loaves. Now, pardon me, my throat's a little weak today. I think coming back, I got reacquainted with the Virginia allergies. Amen. Amen. Good old Virginia. Got to love those allergies. But let's talk about it for a moment. Here's the first lesson we can learn from the loaves. And I want to call it the tape measure lesson. Anybody familiar with the tape measure? Anybody know what a tape measure is? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I got one in my mouth, and as soon as this one's gone, this one's popping right in. Everybody say tape measure. Here's the lesson of the tape measure. You can't measure a problem or a challenge according to your own abilities to meet the need. Amen? The tape measure was telling them this problem is too big. And in our case, our abilities, our provisions, our plans, that's what? That's usually our go-to. But as right as it might seem to go that way, hear me. I want to tell you, as people of faith, the tape measure is the wrong measuring stick. Hey, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? Well, there's a thousand of them. Actually, there's 2,000. How many do y'all think there is? 3,000, 4,000. Somebody says 5,000. And then one of the other guys goes, well, that's just the men. How many of them are there? Well, if that's just the men, let's try 10,000. Let's try 15,000. And all of a sudden, the tape measure is telling them this is an impossible situation. Jody, I'm sorry you had to come to work and see, I'm coming to church to see a tape measure, brother. Amen. The tape measure is telling them this is a problem that cannot be solved. And anytime you and I face a problem or a challenge and you feel small next to the problem and you think you can rely on your own measured abilities, guess what? That might work occasionally, but eventually there's going to be a situation that you cannot see yourself out of. As believers in Jesus, if we get our eyes off of the Lord and what he can do with our faith, hear me, the tape measure will intimidate you in challenging circumstances. How many of you know right now our world's got plenty of problems? We're dealing with all this COVID mess again. It's popping up. There's people. I got a pastor friend of mine, one, the one I just preached for a few weeks ago. He sent me a text message. He's in the hospital right now with COVID pneumonia. And, I mean, there's stuff popping up everywhere. You've seen on the news the situation with Afghanistan. We've got all the confusion about education, kids going back to school. I mean, right now the world's chaos, right? And if you take out the tape measure, some people are getting absolutely hopeless and fearful because they don't know how is this whole thing going to work out. Hear me, the tape measure will lie to you. John chapter 6 and verse 7. So Peter, I'm sorry, so Philip is asking, and now Jesus just asked Philip, what are we going to do? And look what uh, Philip replies. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip is like, yeah, there's no way. This problem is too big. Uber Eats has not been invade, uh, invented yet. My credit card is already maxed out. We don't have enough food. Nobody brought anything today. Jesus, there is no way out of this problem. Philip looks at the tape measure. He goes, this is too big of an issue. This is an impossible situation. But hear me right now, church. This huge miracle that was getting ready to unfold, it happened without sufficient resources being present. Don't miss that. The miracle that was getting ready to unfold, it happened in a situation where there was not enough present to meet the need. Here's what we have to remember. The measure of a miracle is not what you have available to you. It is what you have available to you through faith. Everybody say faith. Come on, I need a little help in this house today. I don't know if I'm talking in Spanish today or what. Amen? The measure is not what you have. It's what you have available to you through faith. What God can do, amen? Because Jesus loves impossible situations. He loves impossible situations. He already knew they didn't have enough. He already knew they were not going to do anything but scratch their head. He already knew that they could not figure it out. But you know what else he knew? He was the same one 
who healed the man who had been paralyzed, lame for 38 years. He was the same one who healed the lady who had the issue of blood for 12 years. Come on, somebody. He was the same one that raised the dead. He was the same one. And you know what? Sometimes he allows us to be in impossible situations because he tests us. Some of you are in one right now in your family, in your personal life. It might be on your business, on your job, or even in your marriage. I'm talking about circumstances that come into your life that you don't have any control over. And they happen, and it seems impossible, and it doesn't measure up. And you say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And I want you to look at the verses again. John 6, 5 through 6, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. He turned to Philip and he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And notice verse 6, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Why does God allow us to get in some of these impossible situations? Because it provides a perfect test. It's a test. And hear me, when God is testing you, he's not testing you to grade you. He's testing you to grow you. Amen. Come on. He's not testing you to grade you. He's testing you to grow, grow you. He doesn't need to grade you because he already knows your heart. He already knows what answer you would give on the test. Amen. He knows everything you would think. He knows what your go-to plan is. He knows what your fallback is. He knows you better than you know yourself. So he doesn't need to test us to grade us. He tests us to impact our hearts, to grow us, to grow our faith so that we can come out on the other side having learned something, having grown, and we've changed. God puts us in impossible situations to stretch our undeveloped faith. God puts us in impossible situations to strengthen our hope. Amen? And hear me, sometimes the tape measure lies. And hear me, this is coming from a tape measure guy. When I said this in the first service, my wife yelled, amen. <laughs> what do I mean? I'm a tape measure guy. I like for the numbers to work. I like the plan to work. I like to keep the schedule. I like things to go as planned. I used to work in construction. I was an industrial electrician. And I know the rule. Measure twice, cut what? Once. Measure twice, Cut once, because if you don't and you measure wrong, you're going to cut something and you're going to mess up material. And how many know with the price of material today, you better not be messing up no stuff. <laughs> but the tape measure, as important as it is, hear me, don't miss this. It also can put God in a box and limit our faith if we're not careful. I'm talking about your situation that you're in right now that you think is impossible. Guess what? If you think it's only up to the tape measure, you've taken God out of the equation. Take a look at whatever situation you're facing right now. It seems impossible. And God says, I'm not measuring this just according to what I can do. I'm measuring this according to what I can do through you. Amen? See, it's amazing that the answers that come when we get outside of our own minds and not try to figure it all out, and when we realize that God is in the middle of my impossible situation. So there's the measure of the tape measure. The tape measure tells you the problem is too big for you. It's too big for you to solve. But there's another lesson that we need to learn today. I want to call it the scales lesson. Now, don't be embarrassed. How many of you all recognize very well that this is a Weight Watcher scale? Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. Amen. I've got a couple of these. I've had, I've had enough of these that I've actually handed them out to my families and friends. Amen. That's not a joke, actually. They say you sign up for Weight Watchers and they'll send you one of these promotional scales. And I actually love this scale. It works really good. It's an awesome scale. And you know what? I haven't been on it in a while. The devil is a liar, amen. <laughs> this one's broken, amen. Somebody, I need a new one. I need a new scale, you <laughs> amen. But let me talk to you about the scales lesson. Are you ready? Here's what the scales lesson tells you. Little in the hands of Jesus becomes much. What am I talking about? John chapter 6, verse 7. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them, Amen. What? Tape measure. 
too big, God. We don't have enough resources. We can't do it. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And then he throws this in real quick for good measure. But what good is that with this huge crowd? What good is that? You see, the scales will tell you that the provision, five loaves and two fish, are not enough to meet your problem. The provision that God sometimes sends, sometimes initially looks like this is not enough to tackle my tape measure need. Sometimes the tape measure tells you the problem is too big, and sometimes the scales tell you the provision is not enough. And you know what we do? We start to give up. We start to think, well, you know what? What is that among so many? Five loaves, two fishes. What are we going to do? What is that going to do for us? And you know what's funny? I love the fact that Andrew said that. Don't you think if you were Andrew now looking back from heaven and he's looking down in the Bibles and world, don't you think he probably wishes, man, I wish they wouldn't have put that last line in there. <laughs> but what is that among so many? Amen. Andrew's probably thinking, dude, if they wouldn't have put that in there, I would be the hero of this story. Jesus, we've got five loaves and two fishes. Do your thing, Jesus. I bet he wishes he would have said it that way. Go, Jesus, go. Bread, fish, go. But no, what he did was, oh, I got a little bit of bread right here. We got some fish. Um, I know, it's not enough. The scales tell me it's not enough. And you know what? Isn't it refreshing to realize how much like Andrew most of us really are? Have you ever prayed a big prayer and made a big faith proclamation and then all of a sudden right at the end of you go, my God can do anything um, if he wants to. <laughs> God, you're going to multiply the loaves and the fishes. You're going to uh, uh, pour out blessings from heaven. You're going to open up the windows. You're going to pour it out. And then you go home on Monday and you're like, hmm, what happened? <laughs> God, heal my marriage. I'm, I have faith you're going to fix my spouse. By the way, that's the wrong kind of prayer to pray. <laughs> if you're praying those kind of prayers, can I encourage you to fix the man that Michael Jackson, the Greek theologian, said is the, in the mirror. Amen. You need to fix the man in the mirror. But you're standing and you're like, God, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. But you know what? You look down at the scales and you go, it's not enough. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving offerings. I'm going to pay a missionary pledge. And then you write two checks, and the next thing you get to the end of the month, and the scales go, man, what are you doing? You gave your bill money to the church. And then you get off the scale, and you go, man, the scales are telling me that my provision is not enough. So here comes Jesus with the lesson of the scales. Are you ready? John 6, verse 10. Tell everybody to sit down. Can you imagine the, the disciples are probably like, oh, thank God he's taken over, amen. I'm so glad that now he's going to do something. Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And check this out. And they all ate as much as they want. Here comes Andrew. God, here's the five fish, uh, the five loaves. Here's the two fish. But the scales say that's not enough. And Jesus goes, you know what? Give me just a moment. Take that. Take this. Take that. Take this. Bread. 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 More bread. And they're all standing there going, wait a minute, what's going on here? What's, what's that? Can you imagine in, the, in that moment what it must have been like to watch Jesus break bread and then to watch it grow in his hands and to keep breaking it and it's not disappearing? Can you imagine what that must have been like? And it just keeps going and going and going. And Andrew's going, wait a minute, the scales said there was not enough. But Jesus said, who controls the scales? 
Who controls the provision? Who says that I can't multiply what you give me? If you'll just give me your little bit, little in my hands becomes much. The tape measure said the problem was too big. The scales said there was not enough. But Jesus said, put it in my hands and watch what I can do. Can you imagine in that moment of truth? Can you imagine in that scenario? God can do anything, but inside we, we want to make sure that we, that, that, that we have a way out. And I know why sometimes we think, like Andrew said, well, it's little as much, and I know this isn't a whole lot, but it's not enough to meet the need. And, you know, sometimes we, we want to give God a way out or we want to give ourselves a way out. But hear me, we need to understand as believers, we've got to look to God in faith. I don't know what situation some of you might be facing right now, but I want to tell you, some of you have been trapped by the tape, tape measure. You keep looking at your problem and you think it's too big. And you're looking at the tape measure and you're thinking this is unsolvable. You're looking at the situation and you're forgetting that you serve a mighty God. Amen. You're forgetting and you're looking at your provision and you're saying, I don't have enough. I don't have enough abilities. I don't have enough blessing. I'm not from the right pedigree. I live on the wrong side of the tracks. Amen. I don't make enough money. I don't have a good enough. Come on. Whatever it is and you're looking at it and you're saying it's not enough, but it is enough when you put it in the hands of Jesus. Amen. See, we don't have a provision problem. We have a placement problem. We place our trust in ourselves. We place our trust in our own devices. See, it's not a provision problem. It's a placement problem. When I place it into my own hands, it's not enough. And we have to understand that the tape measure does not always tell the story and the scales don't always factor in what happens when Jesus starts multiplying the loaves and the fish. See, Jesus' miracle gives powerful answers to both of these leaders in that moment. Lessons that they apparently didn't learn because later on it says they hadn't learned that lesson. That's why they were afraid when the storm came. And the reason I'm preaching to you in this moment, this message today, is I want you to remember when the storm comes, when Jesus broke the loaves and the fish in your life before. Amen? As I look at these two guys and the way they struggle with this, I think any of us would have struggled that way. So here's my question today. What have you already decided in your life is too big for God to accomplish? Come on, I know it's a very sobering question. What have you already given up on? God, it's too big. You know what the answer should be today? Why don't you just let God decide that? Amen? Why don't you let God decide that? If God says it's enough, it's enough. If God says I'm not going to break the bread and the fish this time, then so be it. But let's give God the chance. In what area of your life have you given up and decided that there's too little there for God to work with? I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough money. My marriage is screwed up. My kids are rebellious. Whatever. I made a mistake, and now God is done with me. My dream is shattered. I, I, I was in ministry before, and I got burned in my last church. I had a preacher do me wrong. I got done wrong by some Christian brothers and sisters. Come on. Can I just tell you, we all have a long list of excuses why the scale will not work in our lives. We've all been hurt. We've all been burned. We've all got horror stories that we can tell. We've all got skeletons in our closet, don't we? But the walk of faith says, I'm not going to live by this, and I'm not going to live by this. Amen? Because God is more than able to lack up, make up for any lack of ability that you might have, any lack of provision you might think you have. Look at what he did with the loaves and the fish. How does God turn our little into much. Let me tell you how he does it. First of all, God, step one, he reduces our resources. Now, this is going to seem counterintuitive. This is going to seem like the opposite of what should happen, right? You see, you see that God wants to do something great in your life, and the first thing he does is he reduces your resources, which seems totally counterintuitive, doesn't it? 
Wouldn't you think that if God was going to do something great in your life, all of a sudden there'd be this big influx of cash in your bank account, right? There'd be this just great blessing of abundance that pours in, whether it's financially or maybe your health gets restored or your marriage, you just wake up and everything's all right, everything's perfect. And maybe he gives you more energy than you could imagine. Maybe he makes you feel like Superman or, or Wonder Woman. That's what you think he would do. But that's not what he does. He took Gideon's army of thousands and he reduced it to 300. He took the mighty army of Israel when they were confronted with, with, uh, with Goliath. And you know what he did? He reduced it down to one teenage boy with a slingshot and some rocks. Slingshot. Stones. How big is that guy? He's huge. And David goes, that's all right. With my God, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. See, sometimes God reduces the resources. And the reason is he wants to challenge us to walk by faith and not by sight. And then you know what else happens? It goes from bad to worse sometimes. Then he maximizes the need. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? He doesn't let you escape from how big the need really is. We want to. We want to pretend it's not really that big. I can probably handle it. And you know what he does? He maximizes the need. Have you ever asked, in all honesty, have you ever asked, God, why don't you just make my life easier? Why? You could snap your fingers. You could just think about snapping your fingers. And why doesn't he just give us all the time and all the energy and all the money and all the everything that we think we need to live in this world? Why doesn't he do it? I think you probably know the answer. Because if he gave you all the time you needed, all the money you needed, all the resources you needed, you know what you wouldn't need? Him. You wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need to walk by faith. You wouldn't learn to lean on him and trust in him. You wouldn't give him the glory because you'd be giving yourself the glory. You'd be trusting in yourself the rest of your life. I would have trusted the tape measure. I would have trusted the scales. I would have never gone to God and said, I need a relationship with you and I need you to intervene in my life. You see, often it's the very lack of resources when we realize how very much we need God. I've told this story before, but I remember back in 2009 and 2010, uh, it was not long after we built this building, we hit a huge roadblock financially and we were under extreme financial pressure, pressure like we've never seen before. My wife and I, we went weeks without uh, being paid and we were barely able to pay the mortgage and we were and we were just struggling the church went through a really difficult time and I was always again I'm just I'm not joking when I said I'm a tape measure guy I like to do stuff I like to have a plan in advance I'm the guy who wants to know what we're doing that's why we don't I mean we, even now we buy stuff we pay cash for it I don't like to borrow money we've got the church mortgage I can't wait to pay that sucker off one day amen I'm a tape measure guy but I'll never forget, God stripped me down in that season of lack, in that season of limited resources. And one day I was reading a magazine, and it was an article about a pastor, and there was a photograph of the pastor, and he was standing on a street, and there was a billboard behind him, and the billboard wasn't the focus of the photo, he was, but the billboard said something, and it jumped off the pages, and it said, scarcity brings clarity. And it was like God said, bam! And it hit me like a ton of bricks. God, all this scarcity has brought me to clarity in who I have to put my confidence in. My plans have not worked. My schemes have not worked. And when I say clarity, scarcity means clarity. Yeah, we cut all the fat out. We found out what we had to do versus what we wanted to do. I mean, we were down to the bare bones. And then finally I realized, God, this is your church. And Lord, you're going to take care of it. And when I laid it at his feet, I said, Lord, I can't, I can't do this. You have to do it. And you know what? He stepped right in and said, that's what I've been waiting to hear. And I learned a powerful lesson that has totally changed every area of my life. And that is when things get scarce, God is trying to speak something into my life. Amen? 
Then the third step, somebody gives God what little they have. It's the story of the boy who gave his loaves and his fishes. It's the story of David taking his five smooth stones and being uh, uh, and killing the giant. It's the story of Gideon with his tens of thousands being narrowed down to 300. When you give God what you have. And then the last step is God uses the little that we have to show how great he is. Amen. Can you give God a praise for that right now? Amen. And you know what I love about the story about the loaves and the fishes? God doesn't discard what we have and do something better. He takes what we give to him and he does something greater. <laughs> Amen. He doesn't say, all right, man, get that lunch out of here, boy. Watch the magic maker work. No. He took what the boy gave him and he said, that's what I needed, what you have. And I'm going to break it and I'm going to bless it. I want the praise team and the musicians to come. See, when you look at what the Lord did that day with the loaves and the fishes, it defies the measuring tape. It defies the scales, amen? It defies these. It just flies right in the face of man's economics. But God's economy works different. But you know what? It went even beyond that. Not only did the Lord meet the need, but he also provided a great increase. Do the math. You've got 5,000 men plus women and children who need to be fed. You've got five loaves and two fish. You add Jesus into the equation and he equals, what did the Bible say? Everyone being fed until they were full. Tape measure said it was too big. Scale said what you have is not enough. But I want you to look at the last lesson that they had to learn. Why don't you stand with me all over this house? I'm going to call it the basket lesson. Hallelujah. The tape measure said, this problem is way too big, God. The scale said, five loaves and two fish. It's never going to happen. But I want you to see how the story ended. John 6, verses 12 through 13. And everyone was full. I'm sorry, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now, Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and they filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five loaves. <laughs> Do the math. Math doesn't make sense, does it? 20,000 people, five loaves. Everybody ate, and guess what? Not only did they ate, I believe some of them made some fish sandwiches and put them in their backpacks. They were like, we got to hit the road. Let's, let's, let's take a to-go box. I need a to-go box, please. Who knows how much food left out of that place? But when it was all said and done, there was one great lesson that remained to be learned, and I want you to hear me right now. Don't miss this. Twelve disciples... 12 baskets of leftovers. Do you think that was a coincidence? I don't. Hey, Philip, you said you'd have to work for months for us to fix this problem. I got a little present for you, Philip. Take that basket home and ruminate on that for a while. Amen? Hey, Andrew, I like your faith, bud. You brought me the five loaves and the two fish. You kind of did a little backtrack there at the end, but that's all right. It's going to help some people out down the road, but I don't want you to forget this. Baskets full of blessings. Hallelujah! Baskets full of blessings. Davina, take a fish sandwich for the road. Amen? Audie? I got a double loaf for you, brother. Amen. Well, what am I trying to say to some of you right now? Here it is. The whole sermon in one statement. Stop looking at this. I know your problem seems big. Your God is bigger. Stop looking at the scales. I know you don't think you have enough. I know you think you're not enough. God can take who you are and what you have and bless it and multiply it. Amen? Start looking at the basket. How 
How many times has God healed you? How many times has God made a way where there seemed to be no way? Come on, somebody. How many times has God forgiven you when you messed up? Amen. How many times has God blessed your family? How many times has God touched your home? How many times has God blessed your job? How many times? God kept you through COVID. God kept you through the economy. Come on, somebody. You need to focus on the basket and learn the lesson that God wants to teach you right now. The praise team's going to begin to sing. And I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. And I know this might sound dumb, but I don't care. I want some of you who've been focused on the tape measure, I want you to, and I'm not going to ask you in which category you are. I want you to come up and say, God, forgive me for putting you in the box. I'm not going to live by the tape measure anymore. Some of you, you already know God has equipped you and you've been making excuses your whole life. I want you to say, God, I'm not going to live by the scales anymore. And then some of you, maybe you've forgotten just how blessed you are. Just how faithful God has been to you. So you know what I want you to do? I want you to walk up to this altar. I want you to pinch off a piece of bread. I'm not going to ask you to eat it. Amen. And I want you to come and stand on this altar and say, God, help me to remember my blessings. If you did it before, you can do it again, God. I'm going to open up this altar. The bread's right here. Praise team, why don't you sing? Why don't you come up right now and give God a praise right now in this house? Come on, church. God is good. Remember the lesson of the Lord.
Before we go home, we're going to do, we didn't do this at 9 o'clock, but I feel like we need to do it right now. We're going to put our faith into practice right now. Sometimes we need to confess some things with our mouth. We need to speak some things and proclaim some things. Amen. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. How many of you know that? We're going to speak life right now into some situations in your life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to all pray together in a moment. I want you to out loud. Thank God for taking care of whatever it is. Thank you, God, for my new job. I know it's coming. I know you're going to do it. I speak it by faith. Come on, somebody, we've been speaking our fears. We need to speak our faith. Stop speaking your fears. Oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to get COVID. I'm so afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm so, what's going to happen to my kids when they go to school? You are people of God. Amen. God's going to watch over your kids at school. God's going to watch over your job. If you lose the one you got, he's going to give you a new one. Come on, somebody. God is in control. God, I'm going to speak life. Ah, Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to speak blessing. Whatever it is, whatever this is, you need to speak this over it. Amen? So I'm going to ask you right now, if you believe what I preached about today, I want you to raise your hands, and I want you to, by faith, say it out loud. God, I speak life into my marriage, my job, my health, my children. If you've got a child that's battling addiction, speak their freedom. Amen? If you have a loved one that is sick, speak healing over them. If you need a financial breakthrough, proclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen? Do it right now. Come on, let's lift our voices by faith. That's it. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Come on. That's it. All over this house. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on. You're speaking life into something that you've been speaking death over. Come on. Speak life. Speak faith. Come on. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Bless the Lord. He endureth forever. Bless the Lord. No weapon formed. Come on, that's it. Come on, speak it. Speak it like you mean it. Speak it like you know God is able. Amen. Speak it like you know God is able. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I believe you, God. That's it. Let's press through right now. I believe you, God. I believe you for restoring broken relationships. I believe you for healing, God. I believe you for restoration. I believe you, God, for financial provision, God. I believe you for multiplying loaves and fishes right now. That's it. That's it. That's it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Yes. I speak it. 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 I speak it.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. No tape measure or scale formed against me shall prosper. Amen. I am a child of God. Amen. Lord, thank you today for the reminder that you are the God of blessing. You are the God of provision. And you will take care of your people. Help me to learn the lesson of the loaves, God. So that in my next storm, when you show up, I'm not afraid, but I'm relieved. When you show up, God, I have confidence that when you get into the ship, the winds are going to cease and the waves are going to stop. God, give me that confidence that comes from knowing if you did it before, you'll do it again. I thank you that I'm a believer and I'm a child of God, and I praise you in this house. In Jesus' name. God bless you, everybody. I hope you have an amazing week. And if I don't see you Friday night, I'll see you Sunday. Have a great week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Let me remind you, you can give on the way out the door at the giving stations or the giving boxes. Have a great week. Amen. Yes, sir.